This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Time for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. And good morning, Simi. All right, so I love this time of year for year-end lists and looking at things and then trying to predict what's going to happen in the year ahead. Tell me, do, do any predictions that you've had for the year ahead when you do this, do they do they come true? <laughs> How good are you at doing this, at seeing into the future? I predict that actual events will exceed whatever my meager imagination is prepared <laughs> to come up with. And in fact, we're going to talk about one of those things in the second bit here, which uh, this day in history. But uh, I, I do, you know, I do read the year-end interviews and broadcasts by the politicians. And I must say, David Eby has been more content heavy than a lot of them. I was looking at the transcript of his interview with Richard Zussman of Global which was broadcast, on, I think, on Boxing Day. And E.B., I will say this, as I said, he does uh, give you some hint of what's coming in the new year. So Zussman asks him, well, what about this affordability thing? You know, E.B. promised to give people some relief on affordability. And so the question goes to David E.B., what are you going to do about it in the new year? Uh, rules out cutting the carbon tax. It's, in fact, rules out stopping it from going up. Carbon tax is going up April the 1st, I think, from about 17 cents per liter at the pump to, sorry, from 14 at the pump to 17 cents at the pump, and that's just the carbon tax share of the tax on gasoline. Premier says, no way, he's not doing that. He does hint again, Simi, at uh, some kind of rebate through BC Hydro says he prefers to offer people some cash back and relief that way because the government controls BC Hydro. It's not a nasty private sector profit-taking company, so he likes it. But, but I go over the transcript of that interview, Simi. Uh, the premier's got a problem. BC Hydro's in serious financial trouble, and I don't know where they're going to rustle up the money for a rebate, but in any event, that's what the premier hinted at in his year-end interview. Right, and he admitted that, that Hydro was in trouble too, though, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, there's two things going on. First of all, in spite of what the premier says, BC Hydro has appealed for a rate increase on April the 1st. They want to increase our hydro rates by 2.3%, so I don't know how he squares that with the idea of relief. But to me, a 2.3% increase in rates, even though that's not as great as the rate of inflation at the moment, is still an increase. And if you're going to cancel that out with a rebate, it's like they haul it out of one pocket and jam it into the other. I don't see that one. The other problem, though, is a more serious one, which is drought. So one of the great things about hydropower is that it especially if you clean out the reservoirs ahead of time, doesn't generate a lot of emissions. Uh, it's water and water pours through and you can store the water uh, when you've got a bit of other kinds of power. And BC Hydro two years ago, uh, now, well, 2022, as the Premier acknowledges, Simi, uh, made a billion dollars selling its surpluses 
outside the province. And hydro does that two ways. They, uh, they sell, they store water uh, when prices are down and spill the water when prices are good and they make a lot of money selling electricity, made a billion dollars. Well, now they're, because of the drought, reservoirs are all low. Hydro is having to buy electricity. And the most recent numbers suggest it spent almost half a billion dollars buying electricity, which comes off the bottom line sooner or later. Hydro defers that through these nifty deferral accounts it has where it pushes the cost down the road. Folks, don't try this at home with your family (laughs) finances. Hydro does it. Hydro has like a dozen of these deferral accounts and it takes a chartered accountant to figure out how they're doing it. But in any event, if hydro isn't making money selling power, but in fact is having to buy power, and hydro is looking at a 2.3% rate increase, I count me as a skeptic that the premier is going to be able to figure out some way to give people a rebate. I think we're in for some very creative accounting on that issue in the new year, but that's what the premier's looking at. He is not looking at what his opponents are saying. The BC Conservatives, second place in the polls, they want to just get rid of the carbon tax. And BC United wants to cap it and offer relief on some other gasoline taxes. So I think we're in for a pretty big political debate around this, but I don't see that at the moment you're going to have to show me how the Premier's fallback position, hydro rebate, is going to be squared with the state of hydro's finances and the drought. I have to say, Ron, I still have trouble wrapping my head around the idea that they had to buy power this year. Yeah, yeah, 20 percent. Uh, That's a uh, lot. Uh, yeah, you know, and, and uh, well, I mean, you could say that Site C hasn't come online yet. It isn't due to come online for until uh, 2025. Uh, they had to put off filling the reservoir behind Site C this year, partly uh, because of the drought, even though Hydro won't admit that. But yeah, BC Hydro, well, you know, British Columbia economy is consuming an enormous amount of electricity. We're growing. Uh, we're uh, having an awful lot of immigrants arrive here. Uh, some of our industries, which were down uh, or reduced operations during the pandemic, are back. And there is new demand coming online. You know, our, our government would very much like the second phase of LNG to be driven by electricity. They like this new hydrogen plant that we're talking about in Prince George. That plant will consume almost the entire output of Site C. Uh, We're going to electrify all of our vehicles. Uh, We're going to electrify the ferries. We're going to go to electric truck fleets. We're going to plug the cruise ships in. Uh, You know, all the big battery factory that they promised before Christmas out in Maple Ridge. That one is going to be driven by electricity. And, you know, Simi, all of our electricity at the moment comes from hydro, virtually all of it. They're going to have a tender call in the spring for wind power. Well, it'll take a while to get those approved and built. You don't just do that overnight. In the long run, yes, we may have some wind power, more wind power in BC. Some talk about geothermal. Premier says there are all kinds of, these are his words, weird regulatory obstacles to solar power. I have no idea. What is that? He didn't explain it, right? Also, wouldn't he know? (laughs) Well, I assume he knows, but, you know, maybe there wasn't 
they they covered a lot of ground in that interview. People, I think, can still find it on the Global website with uh, Richard Zussman, and it's worth listening to because there's some other things that we may talk about uh, tomorrow uh, that also came out of that. But uh, that's the uh, helping us out with the cost of living side of it. And as I said, the only thing the premier hinted at was some kind of rebate on hydro rates. The government can order BC Hydro to do whatever it wants because the government controls the hydro board. There is an independent regulator, Simi, as you know, the BC Utilities Commission. The government can order it to do what it wants to. And I'm sure everybody at the BC UC can remember that the premier was so unhappy with the head of the BC Utilities Commission that the premier fired the head yes. of the Utilities Commission over the summer and appointed his own handpicked guy to run it. So, you know, uh, if the government wants to do rebates for BC Hydro, it can do it. But as I said, Simi, the accounting is going to be fascinating to look at. I love taking a look back at history, and that's what Vaughn Palmer is going to do for us this morning. And this story, Vaughn, oh, talking about this story really brings back some memories. It does indeed. So, Simi, 20 years ago today, I was in my office at the legislature. It's sort of mid-morning, and you know, because you've toured the office, that it looks out. Uh, it's behind the buildings, and it looks out right. straight at the Premier's wing and the Cabinet wing of the legislature buildings. And I see out my window RCMP officers, well, police in uniform anyway, carrying boxes of files out of the building. Um and I reacted the way many British Columbians do when something weird and unusual is going on outside their window. I went, oh, they must be making a movie. After all, that's <laughs> over the Christmas holidays. Who the hell right. Raiding. On December the 28th, well, no, the police were actually raiding the offices of two cabinet ministers, or rather their staff, finance minister, transportation minister. They carted away 30 boxes of files and... They had a briefing for the very inquisitive news media saying uh, this all began with a drug investigation two years earlier, and there were suspicions of the involvement of organized crime. <clears throat> and also there was some connection to the then BC Liberal government's sale of the government railway, BC Rail. Uh, so all of this was kind of linked up into a whole bunch of lines of speculation, and the speculation ran rampant, not just that day, Simi, but for many, many years to come. Uh, it all ended with two guilty pleas about 10 years ago, fall of 2012, by two government staffers who pleaded guilty to breach of trust in connection with the sale of the railway. Nobody else was ever charged. The whole matter kind of went away then, but I have to say, Simi, that you go back over the record of all this over 20 years, uh, there are an odd large number of unanswered questions about it, and I guess we'll never get the answers. Right. So this that's the thing that kind of lingers with me about this is that it obviously there was a lot going on there. And today, 20 years later, we still don't know why. Like, yeah. really, why? Yeah. So th there were two avenues that might have led to more knowledge about this. Uh, the Vancouver Sun, my newspaper post, put 30 questions about the case on the front page. 
the New Democrats posted 60 questions on the order paper in the legislature. For a while, the New Democrats were going to hold a public inquiry into what happened if they'd ever taken government. Uh, they promised a public inquiry in the 05 election, the 09 election, the 013, or the 13 election. Oddly enough, they dropped that commitment in the election they actually, where they actually formed the government afterward in 2017. And John Horgan had no taste for a public inquiry into this thing. So I guess the public inquiry might have done it. The criminal court proceedings, the drug charges never went anywhere. I mean, they did not result in a, a drug trial in case or a case involving organized crime. The two staffers were put on trial. Uh, that case went on through long legal wrangling over access to uh, files and data and emails. Only two witnesses ever got onto the stand. And then uh, the two staffers pleaded guilty. Uh, they got off with uh, two years less a day of probation. They have pretty much disappeared from the public record. The case never went ahead. And so as a result, you know, as, as you just said, Simi, we, there's, there's far more unanswered questions about this than any answers, but no evidence was ever produced on the public record that led to criminal charges or corruption charges beyond the two staffers, and they pleaded guilty. Uh, taxpayers picked up their legal bills, by the way. <coughs> oh, I remember that. Bills, That's for sure. Uh, legal bills in this case were about, well, one estimate was about $20 million. Most of that was paid out during the trial and proceedings. They were, uh, the way it works if you're a government staffer is, or a politician is your legal bills, you can apply to have your legal bills covered. And they're covered, but if you're guilty, found guilty, uh, you have to pay it back. But in this case, the Crown waived the requirement that the bills be paid back because, as the Attorney General at the time said, there's no money left. Neither of these guys have any resources that we can see, so we're not going to bother with it. So taxpayers uh, picked up the tab and didn't get anything like the number of answers they might have gotten from a public inquiry, but the public inquiry never happened. Hmm. Now, can you imagine if that happened today? Like, it would just be relentless. <laughs> like it, 20 years ago was pre-social media. So it, yeah, I feel true. like today it would be it would be a different animal entirely. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point. After the New Democrats abandoned the idea of a public inquiry, by then I had accumulated 10 bankers boxes full of files on the case. But it included everything from public documentation to wiretap wire transcripts to wild speculation from all kinds of people. And I, Simi, one day when I was cleaning up my office, I went, there's no way I'm going to sort through all this stuff and figure out what can legitimately preserve in an archive and what might reveal sources and so forth. So I just threw the works out, the whole thing, <laughs> ten, 10 boxes of files. And my friend Keith Baldry Global, who shares the office next to me, said, I got a post on social media that you're throwing your BC Rail files out. Oh, said, don't yeah. You dare. I don't want somebody going through the garbage, grabbing stuff and drawing conclusions from idle rumors that people passed on to me. So, um, 
as I said, when the New Democrats decided there wasn't going to be a public inquiry in this, and, they, and you know, their their argument by 2017, Simi, was, come on, this thing was years ago. No one's going to remember what happened. We're not going to get to the bottom of anything. They concluded it would cost millions of dollars and probably be as frustrating as as well their inquiry into money laundering turned out to be and their inquiry into gas prices turned out to be and the BC Liberal inquiry into the Nanaimo bingo affair turned out to be or the NDP's inquiry into that. And there's a historical topic for another day. We do, Simi, I have to say, seem to specialize in these cases we in British Columbia, which is full of intrigue and speculation and yep. rumor and... No, not nearly enough answers at the end. Of it. Ain't that the truth? All right, Vaughn, thank you for that. Bye bye, Simi.